0: I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you on this first weekend of the new year. You glad to be at church? Yeah, man. It's good, 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 good. Very, very, very good. It's good to see you. We're going to get ready. We're going to kind of get into the message today. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn me to Genesis chapter three, I'm going to just kind of start at the beginning, work my way to the book of Revelation, and I'm just teasing. But, uh, but uh, Genesis chapter 3, we're going to get there in just a minute. And I want to just brag on you. Is that all right? Yeah. Is that good? Look at your neighbor and just say, I- I'm that good. Just say that. You know you're thinking it. Just say, I'm that good. I'm that good. That's right, yeah. Yeah, right. I'd be perfect if I had more humility. Just a little bit more humility and I'd be perfect. That's how it is, right? But no, in all seriousness, I just want to say thank you for your incredible generosity. It's going to be up on the screen. But last month you gave over $235,000 to Greater Demissions. And so we crossed the million dollar mark. First time ever. So $1,045,085.53. So whoever gave that 53 cents, thank you. Uh, But in all seriousness, that's awesome. I mean that that is incredible because that money doesn't stay here. That goes around the corner, around the world. That doesn't that doesn't pay staff salaries. That doesn't pay for heating bills or light bills. Or that doesn't pay for, for pr- pr- uh, print costs. Or or doesn't put you know drum heads on the drums and the up- upgrade equipment. It do, it doesn't do it. It doesn't pay for curriculum or for batteries for microphones. All of that money literally is about reaching the Great Commission, what Jesus says that we're to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. And if you cannot go, then you send. And, and, and so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. For 17 years, Tammy and I have been pastoring this church and have been believing that we would get to a day where that number would be on the screen. And you, through, through your faithfulness, through your generosity, through God's blessing made that happen. And I just wanna say thanks. I really just want to just say thank you. And so again, uh, we're, we're going to give $2 million this year. No, I'm just teasing. But, but, but thank you for that and just moving across that. But that's incredible. You gave more, you, thanks guys, you gave more money in the last month than most churches, like double than what most churches will give to missions and all of that in an entire year. And and it's just it's amazing. This this just helps you a little bit. My first year here, the total budget of the church, everything was $120,000. So to see that in one month we over double just in missions giving in one month to be able to do that, what what was double the entire annual income of the church, just blows me away. And and to think we've only just started, right? because I'm only like 35, and so I'm just teasing. But I mean, we're we're, we're just, man, we're just starting. They say it takes you 20 years to become an overnight success in Milwaukee. So we're almost to an overnight success. So give us two more years, three more years, and we'll be there. Amen? So just want to say thank you. I want to get into this message today, and I want to start with a question that I'm going to ask you all throughout today's message, and that is this. Where are you? If you take notes, just write that at the top of the page. Where are you? Where, Where are you? Where are you in life? Where are you in your career? Where are you in your family? Where are you in your marriage? Where are you in your friendships? Where are you with God? Where are you? This is a question that parents ask their children. Hey, where are you? Where did you go? Uh, but kids ask their, 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 their parents and spouses and friends ask each other. You know, uh, we used to joke, our, our youngest Ava, when she was, she, her verbal skills have always been early. Like, I mean, she's a talker and a half. And, and she was always worried that Tammy was gonna get out of sight or out of range. And so even in the car, in the car seat, as we're driving, she'd go, mom, mom. And, and, the, and the implied thing is, are you there? Where, where are you, mom? Mom, are you there? If Tammy got out of sight, it was like, mom, where are you? Mom, mom, where are you? And we, we would literally just say, okay, no talking, like silence, but no, no, but mom, Mom, no, no, no talking, just completely. And occasionally we, we would forget that we had told her that she couldn't talk anymore. And it would be like 20 minutes. And I'm like, Ava, what's wrong? You're not, you, What well, you said I can't talk. Oh, I'm sorry, honey, you, you can talk now. But I mean, it was like, you know, she just, because it, it's this, where are you? And I don't know if you've asked that, asked yourself that question, where am I? Like really, where, I'm, where am I in relationship with what God wants me to be? Where am I in relationship to my marriage, my spouse, my family, my parents, maybe you're a teenager, or college age, young adult, where am I? And usually we don't ask this question of ourselves because it's very introspective. Uh, it it we usually don't we usually don't want to ask this question because we don't want to admit that we're lost. You could be lost in your relationship and your marriage. You could be lost in your relationship with the Lord. You could be lost in your relationship with like I started out in life and I never intended for it to be reduced down to a mortgage and an SUV and what happened and where did my dreams go? And, and I, I thought there was more than this and, and, and that kind of a deal. We use them to ask the question, where am I? Because it creates an introspection that is convictingly uncomfortable. But I want you to ask that question. Here's what's interesting to me. I'm gonna show you this as we in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Where are you? is the very first question recorded in scripture. It's the very first question that's recorded in scripture. If you read Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter two, God's not asking any questions. God's speaking the world and humanity into existence. And then after he does something, he he comments on it and just says, this is good. This is good, this is good. But, But he doesn't ask any questions Until here. And the question he asked Adam and Eve is, where are you? I I don't know about you, but first questions, first anything, that's a big deal. Like, why is this the first question? Why is this in scripture like this? Why do we have this conversation between Adam and Eve? We know these conversations took place because the Bible says that God walked and talked with them in the cool of the day. But the first recorded statement of question that we get from God is where are you? Genesis chapter three, verse eight, then man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he, God, was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord from among the trees in the garden. Verse nine, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now I'm gonna skip and I'm gonna cover all of the next 21 verses. But I wanna, I wanna ask, I wanna again ask you to ask that question and I want to talk about what the response to the question would be, where are you? I just want to walk through this passage. Adam responds, Eve responds to God's question. What would be your response? Where are you? Where are you today in your relationship with Christ? Where are you today in your marriage? Where are you today with your kids? Where are you today in relationship with your parents? Where are you today in your relationship with, with, with in, in what God's called you to do in, in life? Where are you? Are you lost like a ball in high weeds? Have you forgotten where you're you're placed? Have you forgotten why you're here? Have you lost your compass? Uh, And and, and where where are you? Are you hiding out in the trees like Adam and Eve were when they heard the voice of God? Because some of you, you're not physically hiding from me, but emotionally, the wall just went up emotionally you're hiding in the trees in this conversation because you just want me to get done I got 21 minutes and 56 seconds and now 54 and 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 you you just want me to be done with the conversation you you just if I can just get grit through this if I can just get through this then I, I don't I just want to hide out why well this is typically the response to where are you first of all they heard and they hid the Bible says When they heard God, when they got the question, they heard and they hid. Look back at verse 8 again. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. They heard him. As he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God from among the trees in the garden. This is a normal response to our life, to our life choices, to our decisions, especially when we're wrong and when we fall short. Because here's the reality is it's very difficult to evaluate, hey, This is what I said I'm going to do. This is what I'm doing. This is where I said I would be. This is what I'm going to do. Most of us, we just, it's human nature. We don't want to evaluate, we don't want to answer the question where am I? If you own a business, that becomes very difficult. You have an outside consultant comes in and they want to define the reality of the organization, the reality of the business. And and so because what happens is you're going to uncover a lot of stuff. You're going to uncover some shortcomings. You're going to uncover some weaknesses. You're going to uncover some faults and some failures. Most couples don't want to sit in a a, a counseling room with a counselor, with a therapist, and and, and for them to ask, well, where are you guys? Where are you in your marriage? Why? Because now we're going to open this. Up, we're going to open the lid on this thing. We're, we're, we're going to look at where you are and, and what contributed to this and, and how you got here and, and, and what happened. Most people don't want to sit down and, and really get alone with the Lord and go, Where am I with God? When God goes, Hey, where are you? Where are you in a relationship with me? Most of our response is just like we are when we we're six. When we do something wrong, when we know we've done something wrong, And we hear our parents before they ever open their word, before they ever say a word, and they ever open their mouth. We hide completely because we we hear them and we hide from them. Why? Because we know that there's going to come a truth. There's going to come a uh, we're going to be confronted with with a reality that even though we don't we're in denial, we don't want to deal with it. They're going to call us into account. They're going to bring the things that are in darkness into light. They're going to ask the tough questions. Second response to this question that God gives is found in verse 10, is justification. They justify their behavior. They begin to justify why why they are hiding. They begin to justify and it just keeps unraveling. Look at verse 10. And he answered, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. Now I'm just going to tell you something. I'm from the South, so the way I say naked is really funny, and that's okay. There's no other way around it. I, I can change a lot of things about me, but I'm just going to say naked every once in a while, and you're going to laugh, and it's going to be funny if that's what it is. Okay, good. Don't you know there? I don't make fun of You don't make fun of me. Okay, good. Being naked is a result of the choice or the decision. It's not the issue. Nakedness is not the issue. It's the result of the choice of the decision. Because we as humans don't want to deal with the issue. We'd much rather just deal with the result. Because if we deal with the result, not with the root, not with the problem, not with the issue, then everybody's okay. If I hide from you, if I hide my nakedness from you, I'm going to be okay. And the truth of the matter is, is that with each other for a while we can do that. But with God, he sees right through it. Justification means to defend, to give reason to uh, for one's actions or their own activity. We try to do this with our own nakedness. We, we, we try to defend, we try to rationalize, we try to give reason to why we're here, what's going on. Well, this is why I fell shorter. This is why I did this, mom. Dad, this is why this happened. This is why I didn't get, get to this level. This is what happened, honey. This is what happened, Mr. Boss. This is what happened, employees. This is why we, this is why, God, this is the... I, I heard you, I was afraid, natural human responses, So because I was naked, I hid. So what does God typically do in these times? Again, what's the response to the question, where are you? First of all, you hear and you hide. Secondly, you justify. Thirdly, there's usually more questions is God's response. Have you ever noticed how the Holy Spirit just never lets you off the hook? The Holy Spirit just never goes, okay, that's great. You, were, you heard me, you were scared, you, whatever. No problem, I'll let you go, that's it. No, 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 no. Look at verse 11. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from a tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Again, he's God, right? He knows the answers to this, kind of like a parent does to a three-year-old. You know what's happening. You know what they did. But, but, but the reality is, is that they are, they are, are, are in denial, and so God wants Adam to, to come to this. So he even goes on in verse 13, and, and, and then the Lord said to woman, what is this that you've done? Because Adam in verse 12 blames the woman, which that's another story. We'll get to that in just a second, all right? I'm not going to skip over that one. That's good. And ladies, that's a great time to say amen. But science shows us that we learn best as, hum- as humans through discovery of the truth. It's the journey, not nearly the information. Information does not change us. Discovered information begins to alert in our systems, and then from that alertness, we begin to make changes, and we apply information, that's what changes us. There was an article uh, back about a year ago in Harvard Business Review by uh, by, uh, uh, Professor Wood and Johns. Uh, It's called The Surprising Power of Questions, and here's what they say about this. Questions is a uniquely powerful tool for for, uh, an unlocking value. It spurs learning and the exchange of ideas. It fuels innovation, performance, improvement. It builds rapport and trust as well as it can mitigate risk. Asking a lot of questions unlocks learning and improves the interpersonal bonding. We know this, you learn way more, you absorb way more information if you discover the information because there's been a series of great questions that have been asked of you rather than there's just some some just diatribe of, of information that's given to you that's just spewed out. God comes back to questions. God is relentless. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, Jesus says he's the paraclete, which means he's one that walks alongside us. That's what that word means. Is is he's there constantly going? Hey, how are you? Where is this? What's going on? Why are you here? Why are you doing this? Well, I and you give your justification, and then he goes, "But, who, well, who told you you're naked? And and have you done what you weren't supposed to be doing? And help me understand. It's, I'm just trying to seek to understand right now before I'm understood. It's more questions, more questions. Again, we don't like to ask, get asked that question. Where are you? But I'm asking you that question today. Where are you? So Adam does what every man in the room does. And every man that's ever been born ever will be born. It's called the blame game. And it's not just Adam. It's Eve, but it starts with Adam. It's the blame game. Look at verse 12. Then man said, the woman you put here with me. (laughs) It's a great statement. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. I mean, he has no connection to this woman whatsoever. The woman, doesn't even call her Eve, that you, God, you're the reason for this, put here with me. Again, it's more justification. She gave me the fruit, and so I ate it. I am, this is plausible deniability at its best. It's just like, look, man, I don't know what happened. I don't know where she got it from. I don't know that she got it from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and, and that we weren't supposed to eat of. That's her fault. You need to ask her some of these, where are you, Eve, questions. You've been talking to me. And now I'm going to point to her because the reality is, is I didn't put her here. I didn't ask for it. Remember God in chapter two, you said it was good that I'm not alone. I was doing fine. There was no sin in the world before you put this woman in this garden with me. Life was pretty great. And then you had to put me to sleep, take a rib out of my side and create this thing. And this woman is what caused me to do it. Not my fault, it's her fault. That's what he does. Do you not read it? The the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it, completely just throws her. Boom. You just feel her. He just drives over the bus over, just boom, and backs up over, just goes. I mean, like, it's a wonder that they stayed married, but the only reason why they did is because there was no other options. I mean, that's just the bottom line, right? And then if you look at verse 13, the last part of verse 13. After God asked Eve about, you know, about this, she said, well, it was a serpent that deceived me and I ate it. So again, she is like, whoa, 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 whoa. don't lay all the blame. And there is this snake that was talking to me. I've never seen one of those before. He's talking, kind of got my interest up. I'm curious by nature. And he's asking me questions and talking to me. And so he gave it to me and I ate it. Didn't really even know what tree. She's not, she, it's complete, like complete utter denial. Isn't that interesting that we do that? Because they're not the only people. I mean, we're, it's, it's, this is our nature is, is when we get asked these tough questions, where are you? Where's your relationship with Christ today? Are you red hot? Are you more on fire for Jesus and more in love with him than you were the day that you gave him your heart and your life for the very first time? Or is it cooled off? How, how about your relationship and your marriage? Where, 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 where's your marriage today? And some of you are really upset because you fought on the way in. We saw you on the cameras in the parking lot. I'm just teasing. You know? Hey, what about your parents? Great. You're lifting your hands in worship and you love Jesus and you're giving money to speed the light. And you're in a youth group and you're doing all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you like hate your mom right now. And the Bible says if you can't love your brother, your sister, or it's implied your mother or your father, that you have seen how can you love God in heaven whom you haven't. How are you in your relationship with just keeping your commitment to the Lord's house? Woo, he went there, Margaret. Yep, all up in it. What about, how, how are you? Where are you? I saw people at Christmas Eve. I want to go, where, are, where have you been? I haven't seen you since Easter. And I said that too. But I mean, I, you, know, you just think you're right. Like, where are you? What, what's going on? We, we don't like these questions. And when we get these questions, we, we, we want to blame someone. But the truth of the matter is, is wherever we are, we're there because wherever you are, there you are in the words of the great theologian, Austin Powers. And it's true. And you don't end up there by yourself and you don't end up there on accident. Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. And wherever you end up, there's a price. There's always a price. There's either a price tag that you paid and discipline, to keep that commitment, to keep that passion for God red hot, to work on that relationship, to work hard for for your business, for the shareholders, for the company, whatever it may be. There's a price, or there's a price when you default. In this particular situation, sin entered the world. In verses 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, I won't read them for the sake of time, but sin, sickness, disease, and ultimately death, that's the price that was paid had nothing to do with nakedness. That was just a symptom. The issue, where are you? Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? Why are you hiding? You've never hid from me. See, that's, I mean, I'm just telling you, like as a pastor, I've been doing this for a long time. I can tell when when, when when people are, when their walk with Christ starts getting really lukewarm, they skip out on church, they'll skip out on activities. They don't have time to be in life group anymore. They don't have time to serve anymore. I understand you need a break every once in a while. I'm not here every Sunday. I wasn't here last Sunday. I watched online. I didn't shave or shower last Sunday. Can I just be honest with you? And I watched football. I get that, but I was online. I was doing all that. I'm just saying, But but I'm talking about week in and week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. You're literally just you're just kind of checked out. Where are you? What's going on? It's the price. In your marriage, let me tell you something. You don't get two people that passionately love Jesus. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Timmy's not perfect. We're not perfect. But at the end of this month, we'll celebrate 25 years of marriage. And I'm telling you what I know is this. Is the reason why we're there is, is, is not because she's all awesome and I'm all awesome. It's because we made a commitment. It's a commitment that makes the love last, not the love that makes the commitment last. Because there are moments where you lost that love and feeling. It's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's just life. You understand? And the deal is, but you stay committed into that relationship and you work with that because it is impossible for two people that that passionately love Jesus, that have a heart that's right before the Lord, to go through divorce. It's just impossible. And I I know that's not popular. I, I know people don't read books on that, but that's the truth of the matter is. It is possible for one person to be to be stone cold, and another person to be passionate for the Lord, and and for that to happen, that's possible. It's possible for two people to completely walk away from the Lord. That's possible. And and but 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 but, but I'm telling you, when you keep your heart right, and and when God's asking you the question, "Where are you, Lord? I'm here right now." Um, let's let's talk about this nakedness situation. Let's don't try to mask anything. Let's deal with this. Let's because I'm not perfect. Let's deal with it. Then God shows up and He begins to store and keep and help. And then, and then what happens is God begins to work. But when we begin to deny, we begin to justify, we play the blame game. There is a price. So in our marriages, it's divorce. And then we got a whole other set of issues to deal with. And in, 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 in our businesses, when, 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 when we don't do what God's asked us to do, we, we, we get off track and all of a sudden we look up one day and, and, and we're slaving around for money. And money is the most horrible taskmaster that there is. I don't care how much money you make. There, money has never got to be a motivating factor. Got to be the driving force for why you do a job. It, it's, just, it's just not worth it. And, 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 and or, or relationships. I mean, we're created for relationship, not for achievement. And I get it. I'm type A. I'm passionate. But at the end of the day, it's about people. And if I want to go somewhere fast, I go alone. But if I want to make a difference, it's going to take me longer, but I take people along with me. I heard a conversation the other day and they were talking about Sherpas, which are the guides that take people to the ascent for, for Mount Everest. And they said, okay, how many ascents have you had to Everest? And they go, I don't, we don't understand the question. How many times have you ascended to the top? And they were, I don't understand the question. And so they said, let us frame it for you this way. This past year, I helped 56 people get to the top. That's a much more powerful statement than it is I assented rather than I helped 56 people make it to the top. That's, but again, what does that mean? That means that where am I? That means I got to deal with me. I got to deal with my, my issues. I've got to deal. And there's always a price to pay. And then there's an answer. There's an answer. God always has an answer. I'm telling you, we go back to God's word. We lean so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, we would fall. And God dresses man's problem. He addresses the nakedness issue. First of all, he deals with the eternal part of it. Look at verse 15. This is the first messianic prophecy of the Old Testament. It's the first prophecy of Jesus. And I will put, this is God saying, enmity between you, he's speaking to the woman, and the serpent, which is say, and, and, and between, between you, the, he's speaking to the serpent there, and the woman. And between your offspring, speaking of the woman's offspring, and hers, and he will crush your head, but you will strike his heel. So I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Let me explain this. God, when he's dealing with this, he he says, first of all, I'm going to put enmity, talks to the serpent, which represents Satan, between you and the woman, not you and the man. Why? Because though Jesus, excuse me, Joseph was the earthly father of Jesus, the birth of Christ came through the conception of the Virgin Mary, and it was conceived by God the Father through the Holy Spirit. So, the reality is is it's 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 that it's the um, the the fact that Jesus Christ is the heir of that. That's what He's speaking to, that Jesus Christ is that offspring, and between your offspring and between hers. So Satan, between everything you're gonna to try to do between now and the time that this virgin is gonna give birth, that's gonna be conceived of her by the Holy Spirit and between her offspring, which is Jesus. And he, her offspring, will crush your head, but you will strike his heel. Well, what does that mean? Well, the, a blow to the heel is painful. Have you ever like stumped your heel? Have you ever had like any kind of a heel spur or anything? It's very painful, but it's not deadly. You may wanna die, but you're not gonna die, right? Right? but you get a blow, a crushing blow, your head is crushed, literally, it's smashed in. You're not living for very long, you're, you're dead. So what you're gonna do, Satan, to him will be painful, but it will not be, but, 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 but you, you won't take him out. What he's going to do to you, will completely destroy you and obliterate you forever. So in eternity, God says, here's, here's what I'm gonna do with, with the sin issue, with your nakedness, with your problems is i 'm going to create a way and make a way through the woman Mary I'm going to make a way and i'm going to his name will be Jesus and and though Satan the serpent you're going to strike at him, he's going to completely crush your head and and, and so the reality is is that I have this eternal uh, knowledge and knowing that there is one coming, which we know he's come. At this point, he had not yet, but his name is Jesus and he will come and he will address my nakedness. He will address my the, the product of my sin. See, nakedness was the product of the sin. Sin, was dis- sin is disobedience to God. God tells you to not eat of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, they disobeyed God and there's sin. Coming into their life. That's what sin is. Sin, God says no, and you say yes, and you do it, that's sin. To be tempted is not a sin. To look at at the fruit of the tree and want it is not a sin. But when I take a bite of it, when I consume it, when I do what he tells me not to do, that's when I have sin. And Paul tells us in in the book of Romans that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that there's none of us that are righteous, no, not one. And so the good news is, is that my nakedness, which is a symptom of sin in my life, God will deal with that. But he's first going to ask me some tough questions. Where are you? Why are you hiding from me? Who told you you were naked? Did you do what I asked you not to do? Notice that very question was, did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of? That's sin. Sin is just disobedience to God. So that, that's one of the reasons why we more we read God's word. So like we get the soap journal and you, you kind of do scripture observation, application and prayer. We've been going through the book of John this week. And so you just kind of walk through and you, why? Because, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the more of God's word that I get in me, the more of God that I get in me, the, the less likely I am to sin. And when I do sin, then I know that I've got to advocate with the father that he will address the nakedness, which is a symptom of my sin whatever that may be. And I'm not here to, be, to, to, to beat up on anybody, but, 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 but Jesus Christ came to pay that price. God made a way where there was no other way. He stepped right in the middle of that. And then, but that's about eternity, kind of the sweet by and by. But let's talk about today. God gives a lasting solution to man's issue, to man's nakedness. And, and if you look back at verse seven, When man realizes he's naked, what does he do? He sews fig leaves together to try to hide his nakedness. Very temporary. I don't know if you've tried a a jacket or a pair of pants out of fig leaves, but they don't wear really well, right? Verse 21, Then the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. God addresses the nakedness but he does it in a solution that's lasting. An animal skin is gonna last in a way that a fig leaf is not going to. Isn't it interesting that man does exactly what God's gonna do, but man does it in a really shabby, temporal, short-sighted way, but God does it in a way that's lasting. And God's way works and our way works the fig leaves fall apart? Well, yeah, no joke, because we're made and created in the image and likeness of God. And so again, when we have will and volition and emotion and all of that kind of stuff, we're creating God's image and His likeness. But our ways are so short-sighted to deal with our own nakedness. But God's ways he, he doesn't just, and this is what I love about it. He doesn't just address, as he does in verse 15, the eternal side of it, the lasting effect of it. But he deals with the today side of it. This is what, can I help you with something? This is where religion falls short. Religion will tell you, hey, if you just come here and you just drink of this cup and you eat of this bread, then, then you're gonna be saved and you're gonna get to heaven. If you bring your babies and we, and we dip them in water, then they're gonna be saved. Again, show me chapter and verse on that. It, there's nowhere, nowhere. But it's religion. Cause let's just deal with this nakedness issue. Let's just, but God says, no, 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 no. I'm gonna make a way that's gonna last. It's gonna be eternal. And it's gonna come out of relationship. Because again, we try to clothe our nakedness and, and try to hide it with these fig leaves and sew it together. But God goes, no, no, no. I'm gonna do it in a way it's gonna last. I'm going to deal with it. I'm not going to have you hiding out from me or from anybody else. Where are you? Are you hearing the question from the Lord? Where are you? Are you hiding from the truth? Where are you? Are you denying the root of your own nakedness, whatever that may be today? Where are you? Are you blaming someone else or something else? Where are you? Are you tired of the temporary fig leaf solutions that you've concocted and put together that just keep coming up short to deal with your issues? What's the one thing, the one issue that if you addressed that you change in 2020 would be a game changer for you? Not five things, not 10 things about you that needs to change. Not one thing or three things or five things about your spouse that needs to change. That's your problem. You keep looking to someone else thinking if they'll change, it'll, it'll help you. It won't, because guess what? You're still there. Woo, he said that, didn't he? Yeah. No, it's about me. It's not my brother. It's not my sister standing in the need, oh Lord. It's me standing in need of prayer. Look, I can't fix or change Tammy. I, I, I can barely keep up with me. What's the one thing to Aaron? What's the one question God's saying, Aaron, where are you on this issue? Where are you? Where are you? What's the one area of my life where I'm naked? And that's just the symptom, but there's a root to it. It's the sin, it's the disobedience. And I've tried to cover it over with fig leaves. I've tried to cover it over with temporary solutions. I've tried to mask the problem. And God wants me to, he wants to deal with the problem in a way that's gonna be lasting. And he's got an eternal, uh, eternal ability to do that for me as well. But, but it only happens when I'm willing to just come to the end of me and answer that question. Where are you. Lord, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you today for how simple your word is. And I just pray, Father, that you would just, Holy Spirit, speak to us. I know you are, you have been, but give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to respond. Take our heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. God, let us see our own nakedness that we know is there, which is just a symptom of the problem. And let us put away the fig leaf solution and let us lean to you, to a solution that's going to last in this this world, in this life, and then trust you in the sweet by and by. Holy Spirit, I just pray, help us. What is that one thing? What is, that, what is that one thing that becomes that, that hinge piece? Just we, we may have a multitude of issues, a multitude of areas where we're naked, but what's the one area, what's the one thing that if we were to adjust, change, tweak, modify, surrender to you, would be life-changing? And here's the great thing, God. You never ask us to do what we don't have the ability to do. So when you ask us, Where are we? You already know, and you already have the answer. You just want us to come to you and simply humble ourselves, repent, turn from our ways, and allow you to do the restorative work that you want to do in our life. Help us, God, to wrestle with that question Where are you?